morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? I mean, it was 81 degrees in central Mississippi yesterday. Gonna have some weird weather, but that's okay. We're gardeners. We're looking forward to it. Spring is right around the corner. At least it feels like it. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing, and you are tuned in to the Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Party. We call the Gestalt Gardener. Our, our host is the, the, uh, the producer, Austin Java Chapman. We're gonna have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening. Also, have a very, very special tribute coming up in just a little while. Uh, I hope you'll enjoy it with an offer of some seeds. Uh, and also, we got some cheesy music that's guaranteed to either uh, irritate you or cheer you up, something like that. But most important, because we are live here at MPB, I'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. Sit back, folks. We're going to do some news. Come out with your phone calls about gardening here on MPB. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening. Hope that's what you're interested in. And if you're not, well, let's see if we can find something that'll, that'll interest you. I had a lady the other day said, I can't grow anything. Java, the lady says she can't grow anything. I said, have you got a loaf of bread with some mold on it? She said, yeah. I said, bam, that's gardening. You should ask her, can she grow some hair? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and also, if you've ever left a cup of coffee out and grow some little fungus on top of it, that's, garden. that's like a water garden. You know, you don't need a goldfish. So anyway, we're always going to look for ways that people can enjoy what they do, or at least cut down on the chores, which some people call fun. Other people call them chores. If there's some things you don't like to do, we might be able to come up with a workaround where you don't have to do quite all that much stuff. Going to try to keep keep it practical, though. Uh, I'm a retired horticulturist, but I'm a mediocre so-so garden. i got a nice garden, but it's not because of anything I do. It's because I chose plants that do what... I want them to do it. If they didn't do it, I'd pull them up, stuck something else in the hole till they end up with a garden that does pretty well. Anyway, there's a, a, a few things uh, starting to crank up. I was down in, uh, well, first of all, last weekend, last Saturday, I did this fruit seminar at a garden center in Jackson, Hutto's uh, fruit seminar. had nearly 100 people show up. You know, it's hard to give a talk to 100 people who all really not sure what they want to know, and there's people who know a lot in the audience and people who don't know anything. And uh, so I just had to give kind of a general thing. Uh, but I, I think I pulled it off. Growing fruits is just like growing bushes, a rose, an azalea, a camellia, a holly, whatever, except these are things that not only have flowers but can make fruit part of the time. Well, just as lilacs don't grow well here, Cherry trees don't grow here, and just like tropical plants don't grow here, a lot bananas don't grow here. So what does well here? And that's what we're trying to keep, trying to keep it real. I spend a lot of time on the West Coast, New England, Midwest, Florida, Texas, uh, Iowa, all those places, and they generally grow different kind of plants, but we all garden alike. You dig a hole, stick something in it, green side up, you water it, and then take it from there. So if you have questions that make it more complicated than that, give me a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, also did a Valentine's, Valentine's Day talk uh, down in Gulf Shores, which is right on the Gulf Coast uh, between Mobile and Pensacola near Orange Beach. Uh, anyway, had a, a lot of folks showed up. We had a good time talking about growing all different kind of stuff in containers. Uh, vegetables, herbs, flowers, shrubs, vines, all this kind of thing. And I try to give some general tips on it and also show some alternative things. I mean, can you imagine growing an entire salad garden in a Weber, uh, one of these Weber grills? You know, you got a Weber grill. You don't grill that much. Fill it with some potting soil. It's got holes in the bottom. Grow you some salad in it. You don't even have to bend over to eat it. So anyway, that kind of stuff. Uh, and if you've got some some tips, some favorite tips on growing potted plants, love to hear them. One in particular I like to share all the time. It sounds really stupid. It sounds good. Not many people do this, but it's called pot feet. You know, if you've got a potted plant sitting uh, on your floor or on your rug, you're going to pick it up and put something up under it and some water. Well, if you set it out on your patio or on your wooden deck, what's going to happen when you water it, the water comes out the bottom, it stays wet right under it, and it either stains the concrete or it rots the wood. 
And all you have to do is lift it up an inch or half an inch, just a little bit, so water can drip, run away, and evaporate. Uh, and you can use store-bought pot feet. You can use crushed-up beer cans. It doesn't really matter. Just put two or three, th- three or four things up under a pot. Just get it up off the ground, half inch or so, and it'll do great. Pot feet are real easy, and um, and they really do help. It's one of those little stupid things, stupid things that makes a big difference. Um, if you've got some uh, some events that are coming up that I can help uh, recommend. Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I'll be glad to promote any kind of gardening event. But while I was down south, I noticed that the Japanese magnolias, some people call them oriental magnolias, the big pink things, they're starting to bloom. And it's been my observation, every time the Japanese magnolias bloom, we tend to get a freeze because they bloom early. And by the way, they bloom in Canada. It's not a cold thing. But I suspect the Japanese magnolias actually cause cold weather. Every time they bloom, it seems like we get a cold freeze that comes in, turns all those flowers brown. My way of thinking, if you don't plant Japanese magnolias, we won't get that frost. I don't know. Also saw some of the native yellow Carolina jessamine. Some people call it yellow jasmine. Carolina jessamine, native vine with white flowers. Uh, Dandelions are coming up. Early paper white narcissus. Also the yellow lint lily, the type of daffodil real early. So spring's coming on. We got some stuff coming along, and if I can help you with it, give me a call. 1-877-MPB-RING. Got a tribute coming up in just a few minutes, but let's go up to Coldwater. Talked with Larry. Hey, Larry, what's up, man? Hey, a uh, real quick question. Yeah. Uh, I plant a big fall garden, spinach, Swiss chard, Brussels sprouts, collards, and all that stuff. Well, you know, w- we had one gigantic <laughs> freeze up here just recently. Uh, what and, I call uh, a good one, a good one. Yeah, it was down to zero, below zero wind chill. Yeah. Anyway, Everything, everything froze, but it looks like the roots made it and the Swiss chard is coming back. The spinach is coming back and collars are coming back. Yeah. And I was thinking of not turning it over for spring garden and, and just uh, see what happens. Yeah. Have you ever done that? And is, is that, it, does it work? Will yeah. it? Or should I just plow them up? Well, it's the same thing happened to me. I'm just, you know, you're up in North Mississippi, Central Mississippi. It happened down in Mobile, down on the Gulf Coast, because it was an unusual sudden hard freeze. Uh, and because of that, and by the way, Larry, that's kind of normal for this part of the country, except we haven't had it in several years. We haven't had a, a normal winter in a long time. It's been, you know, two miles. Yeah. So when we get a normal winter, people forget that's the way it, it used to be. So that's the reason we usually recommend you plant most of those crops in the late summer and try to harvest before it gets too cold in the winter and then turn around and replant in late February, early March to try to get a harvest before it gets too hot in the summer with about the only things that we know will probably make it, Swiss chard, usually, collards, kale. Uh, sometimes mustard will do it. But the other things are always going to be a, 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 a gamble. Anyway, to answer your question, if you give them a little bit of fertilizer, you know, and they're alive at all, they'll I mean, they got still got good roots. They'll actually outgrow stuff you set out next month. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking, and uh, but you know, uh, I've never done that before. But it looks like you know, with a good root system, they're gonna they're gonna do real well. Yeah, Larry, I'm having to take it on a case by case basis. Uh, you know, kale will take below zero. Well, it didn't get down to below zero in Jackson. Some of my kale got burned back really bad. It looks terrible. But I notice it's got some new growth on it, so I think it'll actually outgrow. If I, but you know, some plants they're too far gone, or maybe you got big skips in the row, and uh, so you know, you're gonna part of your garden you're gonna want to replant just because exactly. it, you know, okay. is, is neater. Well, you answered my question. I'm gonna leave them in the ground and and uh, see if I get a good spring crop. I'm sure you can find something else to do this weekend. Appreciate <laughs> <laughs> okay. good luck, Larry. See you. All right, thank you. All righty. Let's go down to Gulfport. Hey, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Howdy. What's up? You're on the air. We're talking about greens, right? I was talking about weeds. Weeds. Okay. What's up? Yes. yes. <laughs> I have a flower bed. Actually, I have two flower beds that are full of weeds right now. Uh-huh. But the plants that are in them are uh, plants that... Like ground cover, one of them is Indian hawthorn. The yeah. other one is uh, canna lilies. Yeah. So it's not ground cover. But how do you get rid of the weeds without 
stopping the growth of the plants that are supposed to be there. Well, here's the deal. And keep in mind, I've got degrees on top of degrees, and I've written all these books and blah, 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 blah. But the bottom line is I get out what I did yesterday and pull a lot of them up by hand and scrape some off with a sharp little little tool. It's not any fun, but there's not any we, there's not any herbicides that'll kill the weeds that won't hurt your flowers. They're just not, you know. So just pull them out. Yeah, it's not any fun, you know. And, and this this sounds really old school, but it really works. You know, if, if have you ever been shaving your leg or something like that, and it's just not any good, you put the old razor away, you get a new razor, and almost kill yourself because the new razor. Yeah. Same thing with cutting things. If you can get a little hand hoe type thing and sharpen it you know get a little little just like you would a a, a knife you know you don't cut bread with an old dull knife if you can sharpen it you don't have to chop weeds uh, lisa all you have to do is scrape them off and most of the time that'll completely get rid of them without you having to work up a sweat some you know just you know scraping them down at the ground level and then throwing some mulch on top a lot of times that's all it takes okay but I, you know, my fingers were so green last night. I took a shower after 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 pulling weeds in my garden yesterday. It was a beautiful day, eighty-one degrees. That after I took a shower, my fingers were still dirty. <laughs> but but that's what I do. And if there was something easier, believe me, I'd do it. Okay. Good luck, Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay, now back up to Crystal Springs. Hey, Betty, how Good are morning. you? Good Hello. Morning. Um, yes, Felder, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some five-gallon buckets, and I want to know what kind of dirt to put in it. I'm wanting to do like broccoli and the winter ones you have to put in the yeah. ground now. Oh, well, first of all, you, you're going to drill some holes in the bottom, right? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Have you already done that? No. Um, okay. Let me make a suggestion. Don't drill them in the bottom. Drill them an inch or so up on the side from the bottom. Okay. That, okay. Way, that way it drains out the sides instead of, you know, straight down and rotten stuff. I, I, that, that's what I do now. Okay. And uh, you can use any kind of cheap potting soil if you'll add it, mix it about 50-50 with this little chipped up bark. You know, a lot of times they sell it as mulch. Right, the, right. the potting soil stays too wet down deep, and the roots end up staying real shallow because it's too soggy. Deep. The the bark helps the water, extra water drain out. Uh, but the little potting soil will hold enough. So if you'll mix about 50-50 bark and potting soil, then that's about all you need to do. Okay, okay. You are going to need to fertilize, though. Right, right. And, and because it, and by the way, I grow stuff in five. I spray paint mine because okay. I think they're just pretty. I mean, you know, I mean, even old guys like to you know feel pretty in their garden. Well, these are red. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know what you could do is you could cut out like a heart shape or a leaf shape and hold it up against it and spray paint over it. And then when you pull it back, whatever, let's say you spray paint them green, you pull it back and you'll have a green pot with a red heart on it. Oh, neat. You know, it's just, just you know, this is uh, uh, Vacation Bible School 101. You know, let's get some spray paint here. Okay. But anyway, the kind of fertilizer I use is the stuff that they sell, the slow act, slow release, time release, okay. just a little bit. Because when you put that out there, Betty, every time you water, it automatically gives the plants a little bit of dose of fertilizer every time you water. So you don't have to remember how much to mix up and all that stuff. Yeah, we go to Hutto's a lot, so I'm sure they can. They know it. You know, tell them whatever it is that they give Felder, because I never can remember. Okay. Now, what about... You had said something about broccoli, cauliflower, uh-huh. carrots. Yeah, uh, carrot. You know, I'll be honest with you. Carrots. You can buy more carrots in a bag than you can grow at home. Okay. You know, so okay. but things like broccoli and cauliflower. You know, they're expensive at the store. So I concentrate on growing those kind of things, things right. that produce a lot of value. Uh, either money value or nutrition value or something like that. If you want to put some carrots around the edge, go for it. But yeah. uh, in general, when you go, when you get your, your your little plants, your broccoli or cauliflower type of plants, don't get the big ones. Get the little ones because they will actually keep growing steadily. The big ones, a lot of times, they shut down, Betty, and they don't pick back up very well. So get the little ones. The little ones. And, okay. and and then last thing, when you put put them in the potting soil, put a little fertilizer on there. Cover the top of it with some leaves or mulch or something like that to keep the sun from in the rain and the sun from boogering up your dirt. Okay, great, great. That answered all my questions. Have fun. Don't forget the uh, the spray paint. Oh, I'm not, <laughs> and I love butterflies and magnolias, so I know what I'm going to put in my buckets now. Excellent day. Thank, Thank you. you, sir. Bye bye. All righty. Let's go to Purvis and talk with Sharon. Hey, Sharon. Good morning. 
Good morning. Um, Felder, I got a, um, I have a, an oak, a live oak from the Friendship Oak in on uh-huh. the coast. Right. And it, um, the, the snow actually split it. Oh. And I don't know what to do with it. It's not complete. I mean, it's not all the way down into the whole brand, uh, whole yeah. thing, the big one, but it's, do I just cut all that off, or how do I do it, or is well, it going to die? This is this is a hard one, and uh, Sharon, keep in mind that it, uh, I, I passed my tree surgeon exam back in 1977. I, I taught the course at MSU, mm-hmm. and in the long run, you know, when a tree splits like that, you can pull it back together. You can actually drill straight through it all the way through and put a washer and a nut on either side and pull it together, and it'll grow right over that little rod. Sort of like a like like we pin bones back together. You can pin right, trees together, right. but if this happened a long while ago, you're already going to have some some uh, fungi, you know, some dust and water down in there, and sooner or later it's going to decay. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, so you know you can pull it together, and a lot of times it'll grow around it, and it'll be perfectly fine for 150 years. Okay, so, but you know it's always a gamble. It's going to be hollow down the road. Okay. But if it's a small tree, try you know try just drill right through it. You know you can go to a hardware store and get the mm-hmm. right right length or hacksaw and saw it off, and just put your pin right through it above the split. Little washer, little nut on the end of it, and it'll grow right over. It won't hurt the tree at all. All right, I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> Good luck. Good all luck right. on it. All right. Bye bye. All righty, we need to take a break because I need to. Or you want to go to a. Go do a, do another phone call because we got a, a tribute to come up just a second. Let's go down to Mobile. Hey, Kenzie, good morning. Uh, good morning. What's up? Uh, I got a quick question. The uh, That hard freeze and everything that we've gotten uh, uh, this, this past winter and all, uh, we, we planted some Gerber dates. Uh, yeah. uh, is there any hope in those coming back after that, the heart of a freeze? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take the answer offline. Okay, there, there, there's hope. To answer your question, there's hope. But, you know, dig around, pull around your fingers. If it's mushy, it's gone. You know, Gerber daisies, one of my favorites, uh, mine are gone in central Mississippi, but it's because they weren't that healthy to begin with. So about all you can do is just poke around. If, there's, if it feels firm at all, they could come back. Awesome. Awesome. But otherwise, you know, just it's like, you know, just got to pull, pull up and keep going, do it again. Right. I, I appreciate it. Okay. I right, think thanks. we I think we do have time to take one more call from Biloxi and then we'll take a break. Hi, Lena. Is it Lena? Yes. Howdy. What's up? Is there any possible way that I can uh, fertilize citrus trees with um, standard miracle growth? Sure. I don't know the formula because I'm so confused about the 27 nitrogen and then the little little the other two potash and well, small numbers. Have you already got the stuff? Yes. Okay. Whatever the directions call for in a gallon of water, put uh-huh. that in. Put that in two gallons of water and just go about your business. You know okay. they they recommend. You know they put the maximum they can legally get away with recommending. For application, because in the business selling fertilizer, Miracle Grow is a great fertilizer, but full strength is not necessarily what the plants need. Half strength is just even, as good. Even for a tree, because yeah. I have got a large uh, cucumquat and a large uh, sort of orange tree. Yeah. Well, so I mean, you know, this is uh, are these in the ground or in pots? Well, okay, th- those trees, two trees, are in the ground. Yeah. And I, I, I have a. Myers lemon improved in a uh, a big 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 okay. pot well, container. Okay, to answer your question, you you can use Miracle Grow, but it's not the most economic thing. If you get some of these slow release timed fertilizer beads and throw it on there once a year in the springtime, that fertilizes you, your trees in the pots all season, and it's used up toward the end of the season when the plants seem to slow down. And you could hit them with a little Miracle Grow every now and then to perk them up, like fat, like you know a fast food thing. But it's not, you know, it's, it, it's time-consuming. It's more expensive to fertilize with liquid fertilizer. Well, I, I correspond. I call uh, the the um, let's see the family down in Plaquemine Parish, Louisiana, where I bought the trees from, mm-hmm. and they recommended something in February and in I think June. Yeah, but they're talking about stuff, on, you know, in the in the dirt, you know, those in the dirt. But in pots, you need something steady. Container plants can't forage for stuff. See, so in containers, I use the, the time-release stuff. Occasionally hit stuff with a little miracle grow to perk them up. 
And the stuff in the ground, I just use the stuff that's recommended for fruit trees in the ground. That's all okay. I do. Okay, and, well, fine. Well, thank you so much for your help. I enjoy your show very much. Appreciate it. Good luck. If you have, if you want some more detail about it, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I can get a whole lot more detail that way. Java, we got a tribute coming up, and we're going to take a little bit of a break and um, then come back with that. That got some cheesy music. So, uh, And then after that, we're going to take some more phone calls. That's the way we do it here at MPB. We have programs all week long, every every weekday, Monday through Friday, local produced programs. If people want to talk with you about local issues, local problems. You want to talk about gardening in Denver? I can do it. But, nah, let's keep it to this part of the country because that's where we are. That's what we're about. That's how we roll. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Russian. Me and Java Chapman and Miss Rosemary are going to be back with you right after this. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Russia. We're talking about gardening, and for the last half hour or so, it's going to be nothing but your phone calls talking about yards and gardens and flowers and pots and fruit trees and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I want to do something real special. Let's see if we got Bob on the line. Bob, you with me here, man? Hey, good morning, Felder. Bob Ruzak, professor of landscape architecture at Mississippi State University, a graduate of LSU. That's correct. And uh, you've done a whole lot of stuff teaching students how to get real about about designing the spaces around us. And, and one of the things that you've done over the years, you've continued this program, the Ed Martin, is it called a landscaping seminar? I forget the whole name of it. Yeah, it's a landscape symposium. Uh, we hold it every October here at the MSU campus. I think you just had number 62 or something like that, didn't you? Yeah, it's way up there. Uh, Ed Martin started it. Of course, he started the Department of Landscape Architecture and was the first landscape architect registered in Mississippi. So. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and it's sponsored by the Garden Clubs of Mississippi. Correct. And the reason, yeah. I, the reason I want to chat with you, my great-grandmother was, was a charter member at one of the Garden Clubs back in the 1930s. I was raised with Garden Club ladies. My grandmother was a Garden Club lady with her books of blue ribbons of her African violets and flower arrangements and, and her day, day, hybridized daylilies and all like that. So I know that there's some real special ladies who are in garden clubs, but one of the most special just passed away. And you want to talk about her a little bit? Yeah. Uh, uh, Halla Jo Ellis. Yeah, where do we start, right? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I, I guess uh, I can start with the first time I met her was actually in 1990 when I first moved to Mississippi. Uh, and I believe... You actually, you invited me to come talk. You were president of the Mississippi Native Plant Society at that time. That is a while back. Invited me to Jackson to come give a talk, and that's the first time I met Halla Joe. Uh, and by the way, I met her right after I started with the Extension Service in 1980 because she was real active in the Jackson Council of Garden Clubs. They used to have like 20-something clubs who had a council of garden clubs, and she was at every meeting. Every time the doors were open to the Extension Service, Halla Joe was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was the kind of lady who, uh, you know, she loved plants. She loved native plants. She was all about conservation. And especially, uh, she was very active because she drove around with a shovel in her trunk. And any time she stopped on the side of the road and saw something, she'd dig that thing up. And, and if she didn't plant it in her garden, she passed it along to somebody else. Well, you know, I, I sort of latched onto her her penchant for doing that because my great grandmother also she grew wildflowers and other garden club ladies said, "Why are you growing all those weeds? You know, native azaleas and weeds and stuff." But Halla Joe once called me down because I was talking about weeds in the lawn about how to get rid of violets. She said violets were her favorite native wildflower for the shade. <laughs> you know, she said you can eat them. So you know, she didn't mind calling us down, but she did it in such a gentle way it made you feel kind of sheepish. Yeah. Yeah, uh, smart lady. Yeah, sure. well, she was. Uh, I mean, she was the board uh, board of directors uh, 
the Garden Clubs of Mississippi. She was also the Butterfly Chairman, and she started the. She was a Wildflower Chairman. She was the first, and up until now, the only Wildflower. She was responsible for helping get Mississippi to have an official state Wildflower, and to plant them along the roadsides and stuff. Uh huh. How did how did that come about? Well, it's just you know we were the only state I think that didn't have an official wildflower, and she and she and a bunch of people were talking about it one time, and I jumped in and said, you know, why don't we do one? So they did a poll of the garden clubs, and uh, they they came up with some suggested ones, and ended up with coreopsis, which is our is native to Mississippi, blooms all parts of Mississippi, mm-hmm. uh, good for the native pollinators, everything about it is a great plant, and uh, she was responsible for that. Um, she was also a member of the Antique Rose Society, uh, the Perennial Society, Orchid Society, Daily Society, Bromelia Society. Uh, she was in all these garden clubs, board of directors, Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. I could go on and on and on, but she was also a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. And uh, the day she died, Monday, she was at the Museum of Natural... By the way, yesterday, uh, you know, they dedicated uh, the... the uh, the all the the creatures program uh-huh. to her. Libby Hartfield was here. Halla Joe was at the museum, ninety years old, doing what she always does, volunteering. She felt ill, went to the hospital, and died. Yeah. What what a way to go out on top. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she was a great contributor. Always, you know, she she just lo- like any good gardener of loving plants. She loved plants, but especially. She liked to share information about plants with other folks. With a smile. Yeah, with a smile and uh, and pass a piece along or tell you where she saw some. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's what gardening in Mississippi is about, is not only loving the plants in your garden, but getting people to really appreciate the uh you know, the things that are there. Well, that's what she did. Her husband, I think they were married for like 68 years. Hmm. And he put up with her going all over everywhere, bringing weeds home and sharing with everybody. But she also made me feel like a better person when I was around her. She was the epitome. And, you know, you said you met her a long time. What, what was it? You said uh, that when you die, you want to come back as her or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I, I want to I become a uh, garden club lady when I retire for sure. Well, she was the only garden club lady. Maybe I shouldn't say this because I shouldn't have a favorite flower. She's the only one I ever told. Every time I saw her, I've always had a crush on her. But anyway, <laughs> Halla Joe Passway, 90 years old, one of the one of the the essence of garden club, of plant sharing, of plantsman, of the love of nature and wildlife and, and contributing to the community. And uh, you had a great idea about the wildflower seed. What did we come up with on that? Uh, well, we were, uh, you know, trying to think of what's a great way, what would Halla Joe really love to see? And I think uh, since she was so active in Mississippi wildflowers and in being a wildflower chair and also just uh, always collecting them along the side of the road and, you know, cutting them and putting them in vases, couldn't think of anything better than uh, honoring uh, Halla Joe Ellis by planting Coreopsis, which was the plant she helped select and you uh, for the state wildflower in Mississippi, and get those things blooming as much as possible in people's gardens. And it's, it's a good idea, Bob, but you and I can only plant so many. So we have this idea. Why not get people all over the state to do it for her? By yeah. by providing free seeds for people. Yeah, and coreopsis is really easy. All you need is sun. Yeah, sun. Th- yeah. You don't have to. You throw it on the dirt. It grows yep. on dirt. <laughs> yep. All yeah. it needs yeah. is sun and dirt. Yeah, as long as it's not asphalt. Uh, no, it'll grow on the crack. It'll grow on. You know, it'll grow on the cracks <laughs> of the side. Uh, uh, yeah. You have pictures of of wildflowers growing in the cracks of the pavement. But that's right. All it needs is the place to to take root, not wash away in some sun. So I tell you what. You get the wildflower seeds, and MPB and I'll send them out to anybody who wants some. Yeah, that that'd be perfect. So please just write in, and we'll be glad to send you a packet of uh, Coreopsis. And I think the state wildflower, it's not a particular species. No, no we, we deliberately went with n- n- not any one particular kind. And I think probably the best one is one they call Plains Coreopsis. Coreopsis tinctoria. It's uh-huh. a big plant. It's, it's got the, the smaller flowers that are kind of a golden with a, a burgundy or maroon eye around it. 
Yeah. And I once think, you get uh, it started, it'll take over from there. It'll take it from there, not without yeah. being not being weedy. They call that calliope. Calli no calliopsis. Calliopsis. <laughs> you know, you you're on your way to being a garden club lady, Bob. <laughs> it looks like a calliope for sure. The well, well, listen, colors on it. listen. We we we'll 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 cut it short here, and I'll remind people later. But if you'll get me some seeds, I will put it in little packets and envelopes, and a little thing about how to Joe and how to plant these. I'll send them to anybody who sends us an email here at MPB. How's that sound? Awesome. I think uh, if we can get as many planted for this year, that's the nice thing about this particular Coreopsis is it'll bloom a little bit later, well into the summer. So a lot of Coreopsis are spring bloomers, but this one should be able to seed, get up, and, and put a bloom out this year. And this is one you put in your regular flower beds or your vegetable garden because it grows, it's kind of an airy plant, grows up and around other stuff without being a weed. So right. it can mix and in with existing flower beds or in pots or any, any, any place that's got some sunshine. Exactly, and it is an annual, so you do need to collect the seeds at the end of the year to make sure the seeds can drop back down again. I'll bet they make it on their own, like, like as Hallie Joe knows, like they are wont to do. <laughs> send me some seeds, Bob, and hey, we'll take it from there. Hey, that. Will do. We'll send it. Okay. These. Back All back right. to work, man. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye. So that was Bob Bruzak, Professor Landscape Architect. He's a real good guy, a hands-on gardener. And if you send me an email to garden at mpbonline.org and just say wildflowers or wildflower seeds, we will send you some of these Coreopsis seeds. You don't have to be in Mississippi. You know, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, send us a, 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 an email, and we'll turn it. Probably take a week or so to get the seeds out, but send me an email, garden at mpbonline.org, and we'll send you some wildflower seeds as a tribute to one of the best wildflower champions in this part of the South, Hallie Joe Ellis. Rest in peace. We're going to do a real quick little, got to get it back up here. Okay, let's let's talk to Bobby. Hey, Bobby calling from Tennessee. What's up, man? Hey, no, no this is she. <laughs> Howdy, what's up? <laughs> I have a Fuyu Japanese persimmon tree, and I was wondering what kind of fertilizer I should use and when I should put it on. Is it out in the ground already? Yes. Okay, just any kind of all-purpose fertilizer, a fruit tree, something for azaleas or roses, anything that's for flowering or fruiting plants, just scatter it on the ground under the outer spread of the branches and a little bit beyond sometime next month. Okay. It's about a year old, and I think approximately we had 10 on it yesterday, or last year. Yeah. And uh, I only got two of them that made it through the well, do, year. Well, do, do two things. For, one is you're going to have a whole bunch of branches on it. Cut some of them off because those are going to be limbs for the rest of the tree's life. Go in and thin out some of the branches on it now. So what's left to be the main structural uh, uh, limbs. And oh, then okay. just sprinkle a little, a handful of fertilizer on the outer edge of where you dug that hole last year because that's where the roots are. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Be sure and I'll send you an email to get some of those seeds. Okay. You're going you're gonna to really love it. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh -huh. Thank you. Bye -bye. Okay. No. All righty, folks, horticulture's fellow rushing. Uh, me and Java, we're going to lighten it up a little bit with some cheery music, and we're going to come back with your phone calls. I'm a horticulture's fellow rushing. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Don't worry, be happy. 
place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. The landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. <laughs> Be happy. Look at me, I'm happy. Don't worry. Be happy. I give you my phone number. When you worry, call me. I make you happy. Don't worry. Got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile, but don't worry. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. <laughs> Hello, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. We're talking about gardening. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Before we go any further, we got some calls on the line. But let me throw this out. Uh, as I walk around, I'm seeing a whole lot of wildflowers coming up in people's lawns. Halla Joella is the recently uh, deceased garden club wildflower chairman of the Garden Clubs of Mississippi. She called a meadow. It's okay to have a meadow lawn. You. Enjoy the flowers, the hummingbirds, the the, uh, the the butterflies, the pollinators. And then when it's time to mow the grass, it'll green up, just mow your grass. Clover will be gone and all that kind of stuff. However, if you don't really want a wildflower meadow, you want to control weeds, take my advice. If you want to control them, this is the time to do it. You wait. A, someone's starting to bloom. Once they get big and start to bloom, they're really difficult to kill. Once your grass starts greening up, it's extremely sensitive to uh to, to herbicide. If you want to control the weeds in your lawn for this spring, now is the time to do it. Don't fertilize. Let's wait on that. Just use a liquid spray. And if you want to do it and you don't do it, please don't call me whining about your weeds later. Now's the time to do it. Let's go straight up to, to Crystal Springs and talk with David. Hey David, good morning. Hello, David. Hey, Ben. What's can up? Can you hear me? I can. What's it got? Keep it clean. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. What can I help you with? Um, I've got a uh, a yopon and a windmill palm that were next to the house and uh, up here, and they and a century plant was nearby, and the winter killed the century plant. It decimated it. So I'm wanting to replant these, the yopon and the pine, down around a place I've got in Wiggins, and I just... It's real flat. There's not a lot of drainage. When it's rained, it stays uh, really kind of wet for a long time. So yeah. should I put like a, a one or two foot tall, like a mound or a, or a planter box and put these things in? Well, you won't or, need or to. You won't need to barrel. with a yopon. Yopon holly is native. You know, it'll. It's actually almost like a swamp plant. It'll take it. I'm not so sure about the palm though. And you know, they don't really have a root, so uh, they got this furry looking thing. So uh, the, I would plant the palm about you know half in and half out of the ground and mound some some dirt up to it like a baseball pitcher's mound, and that'll you know that'll be enough half in and half out. Because if you build a box, you know this is basically going to have a box shaped root system. So just mount, just plant them a little on the high side, pile dirt up to them over about a three or four foot area. So they're six or eight inches above the ground around it. Shouldn't be any problem at all. Should I bring the dirt from the area that the palm is used to since it's been more than 10 years growing there? Not, you know, no, not really. The main thing is whatever your dirt is, if it's real heavy clay, if it stinks when you dig it, it's a heavy, heavy clay, you're going to need to add some organic matter, some bark or something like that to, to fluff it up so it doesn't stay too wet. Your ponds will take it. Your ponds will grow on almost anything. They're nearly indestructible. But Thank uh, you, Okay, good. Oh, is this a big your pond? It is. Before you move it, it was one of my favorite shrubs. I mean, I've got seven of them in my garden. One of my all-time favorites. Before you move it, go ahead and thin some of the limbs and some of the branches out because you can leave most of the roots behind. And come summertime, if you hadn't thinned it out, there's going to be too much stress on those little nubby roots. So thin it out before you move it. 
Well, now it's six foot tall. Should I cut it back to about three foot? Or you just no, need no, 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 no. I mean, you you're growing this as a small tree. I would just thin out. You know, this is going to be four or five limbs pointing inward. Cut off all okay. the ones that are. You know, just leave the ones that are growing up and out. Don't leave stubs. Just you know, put your pruning shoes right next to the stem, and anything that's growing in, cut it off and just thin it out. So what's left is going up and out. It'll do fine. Thank you. All right, appreciate it. Okay, now let's go to. Talk to Bill. Bill, where are you calling from? Neshoba County. Neshoba County. What's going on? Well, uh, I'm out here in the wilds, and uh, my garden is surrounded by uh, trees, and uh, apparently the armadillos have been uh, waiting for warmer temperatures, and every morning when I go out, there are holes all over my garden. Is there anything I can do to Scare them off, or? Uh, you know. I'll 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 answer that with an anecdote. A good friend of mine, who is a self-proclaimed Cajun, uh, manages the rose uh, garden over in Treeport, the American Rose Society's garden. Uh, uh-huh. He 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 eats armadillos. He likes them. He said uh-huh. if there was anything he could do to keep them out of that rose garden. He would do it. He said he rides around in a, a golf cart with a shotgun, and he said he can't do it. The only thing that's going to keep armadillo out is going to be a low fence, and it can, you know, it can be doesn't have to be tall, but if you'll make it where it 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 sort of hits the ground and angles away away from the garden, they can't dig under it because they're standing on part of it. Mm-hmm. But that's the only solution for armadillos, really is. I mean, they can climb a little bit, but they would rather not. So right. other other than a fence around the garden. Not much you can do, really. Okay. So uh, do, do they come out at any particular time at night, or they just, you know, whenever it suits them? Uh, pretty much whenever it suits them. Usually it's going to be, you know, late night, early in the morning. And, oh. uh, and, and, and they're going to be coming from everywhere, you know. But, right. And, you know, deer are a different story. Deer and squirrels are a different story. But armadillo, as long as they can have to stand on part of the fence, they can't dig up under it. You know, mm-hmm. and you can get, you know, dog fencing, rabbit fencing, uh, chicken wire, stuff like that. And, you know, it really doesn't take very long and not that expensive to do. Okay. So how much of an angle am I going to put the fence in? No, no. You know, have the fence straight up and down, but but where it touches the ground, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you've been to Williamson Brothers and gotten some overalls a little bit too long. Yeah. And, and they sort of drag on the ground in the back. Uh-huh. That's what you want the fence to drag away, you know, just where it hits the ground, just sort of angled away. So they okay. have to stand on the bottom part rather than dig under it. Okay, great. Good Thank luck. You. Good luck. And I, by the way, I've got a good recipe if you want to go that way. Oh, uh, Grandma used to eat them all the time. So uh... Possum on the half shell. Yep, there you go. <laughs> good luck, Bill. Okay. Thank you. You bet. All right, let's go down to Biloxi. Hey, Russell. Russell, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, all right. A while ago, you you said something about you can't grow cherry trees here in, in Mississippi. Oh, you can grow cherry trees. It's just not going to make cherries. Oh, that's, okay. I mean, I mean, grow cherries. Okay. Yeah. I I I lived in Atlanta, which is on about the same latitude as let's say Birmingham, and I planted a cherry, a cherry tree to get cherries. Asked the people at the store, "You mean this makes cherries in Georgia?" Yeah. So I bought it, planted, it, and it died. And then I, I recall a nephew of mine who I went to his house one day, and he had several new fruit trees planted. And I looked at him, I said to him, I said, you mean these can grow here and bear fruit? He says, yeah. He says, they've got these varieties now for this latitude. So uh, they gave me my money back, by the way, the yeah. company that sold me well, the tree. Here's the deal with cherries, and, and I love cherries. I love raspberries. I, you know, I like a lot of plant, things that don't really grow well here because of our climate. It's not right. the hot, humid summer nights. That gets a lot of fruits. But what, what caused the problem with cherries is they need a long cold spell above freezing below 45. That's called chilling hours. That's how they tell time. And they need around 1,000 chilling hours before they'll flower and set good fruit. We only get about six, 700 in central Mississippi, you get even fewer than on the Gulf Coast. See, so they don't get enough wintertime chill to, to to bloom right. That you know, that's just sort of a that's how. And same thing with a lot of apples that grow up north, 
they won't produce down here. We have to go with the varieties that have low chilling hours. So, you know, right. that's the problem. And and by right. the way, I've got a garden center catalog from 1842 in Mississippi that was selling cherry trees. So they've been selling cherry trees a long time, but nobody has shown me a cherry. So they just growing them for the fly, for the blossoms. For the yeah, that's pretty much it. Pretty much it. So cherries, you know, the the heaviest cherry production in the United States is in Michigan. That'll tell you something. Right, right, right. So anyway, we're not cherry country, but then again, they can't grow uh, some of the stuff that we can grow. Right, right, right. They can't grow loquats. Yeah. Okay. okay. So good luck, right, on Russ. Appreciate it. All righty, man. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Toll free. Let's go to Ridgeland. Hey, Bert. Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's up? What can I help you is with? This, is this the time and what can be done to crepe myrtles that dripped all last year and <laughs> burned furniture and, and other legs? Okay. Here, here, I, you know, I get so many questions. I, I never get tired of answering the same question unless it's from the same person. Okay. But here's the deal. that the, the, You know how crepe myrtles and pecan trees are always dripping sap? That's not leaky plants. That's bug dew. There's insects sucking sap out of the bottom of the leaves, and their drippings, what they don't digest, has got dissolved plant sugar in it, sort of like crepe myrtle version or maple syrup. And that sticky stuff dripping down is coming out of the back end of bugs. And then that black sooty mold grows on that, just like it would if you left some syrup on your kitchen counter. So right. the only way to keep any of that from happening is to spray the trees, the bottom of the leaves, with insecticides, usually for aphids. Aphids, not so much spider mice, but aphids, leaf hoppers. If it'll control aphids, you can spray it. But you've got to get to the bottom of the leaves, and you're going to need to do it every couple of weeks or so, starting around middle, end of June, because that's when it really starts cranking up. So no pruning or no kind of pre-emerge stuff at this point would help. A- aphids and uh, these kind of things are literally in thin air. I mean, you could put a crepe myrtle on top of the flagpole at the Capitol building, and it's going to get aphids. Yeah, no amount of pruning. They come from, you know, they're they're sort of like mosquitoes. They're just a given. And if you got something that's really susceptible to it, what's that? A given and a pain. Yeah, you know, is what it is. I, you know, my, my, I have pink flamingos in my backyard. Not many people know that, but not many people would be surprised. And my pink flamingos were almost completely black from this stuff. <laughs> in my pink flamingos. Uh, what, clean it? Well, what I did is I wet a day. You get a little dish detergent, you know, something that you wash your dishes with that cuts grease. If you'll mix up the little water and just wet the stuff down and then let it soak in for a few minutes, come back and then rinse it off. You know, the, that's what the first one sort of uh, softens it up. It'll, it, it won't exactly rinse it off, but it'll make it flake and peel off after a few days. Okay. We wish, wish, I, wish I had a better solution, but we don't have any good insecticides that you can spray onto the plant that goes into it that will kill bugs. So you have to spray something as needed every couple of three weeks. Sorry. Good deal. All right, man. Whew. I really... I w- Pulling weeds, spraying bugs, plants freezing, Java. It happens to me. <laughs> I just like when uh, when you're talking about uh, <laughs> freezing plants, booglified. Yeah, booglified. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, I, I lost some plants this this uh, winter that normally would have would have made it, but it was a hard deep freeze. It was sudden. And one thing that you did mention, um, which is true. We don't usually have such cold winters. It, always we've been having some mild winters. Yeah, yeah. And this year, we actually got a winter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people got surprised. People trying to grow fruit trees, I mean, trying to grow oranges and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just part of gardening, part of gardening. Um, I would like to remind folks, though, if you uh, if you like to, to have something pretty in your yard that's good for pollinators and butterflies, a good native plant that works in well, even in, at the ends of the rows in vegetable gardens and herb gardens and flower gardens, there's a real simple, easy native plant called Plains Coreopsis or Calliopsis. It gets about, oh, waist high, chest high, but it's real airy, lots of little branches, covered with little uh, uh, orange flowers with a, a burgundy or a maroon uh, edge to it. It's a pretty plant. It works in well with almost any kind of garden as a filler. And if you'll send me an email, garden at mpbonline.org, in honor of the passing of the of the great wildflower chairman, a true garden club lady, Hallie Jo Ellis, passed away this week. 
Uh, Bob Bruzak from Mississippi State is getting the seeds, and I will send them to you in an envelope and uh, little instructions, uh, and that's all it takes and to spread some of these wildflowers. It's real easy to grow. It just needs dirt and sun. That's all it needs. It'll grow on a pile of dirt. It'll grow in the cracks of the sidewall, but it's not a weed. It's not a weedy type of wildflower. So if you're interested in this, uh, help spread the word. Because when they bloom this spring and summer, they'll spread their, from seeds from there. It doesn't become weedy. Or you can collect the seeds and share it with other people. Have some kids uh, sow them in, in, in places here and there. But this Coreopsis is being provided by Bob Bruzak and sent out by me with a little how-to thing in, uh, as a tribute to Hallow Joe Ellis, who just passed away, one of the, the great garden companies, 90 years old, died the, on the same day she was still doing the volunteer work in the Mississippi uh, Museum of Natural Science. What what a great lady. Uh, send me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Just say wildflower or something like that. We'll take it from there. Uh, meanwhile, there's a lot of stuff coming up. Daffodils starting to bloom. The early ones, the paper whites and the lint lilies. Uh, the flowering quince is starting to bloom. I've seen some uh, flowering apricots starting to bloom. The uh, Japanese magnolias and also the dandelions. There's so many things that are starting to bloom. Still a long ways from spring. Got over a month before it's official spring. But we're going to be talking about gardening every Friday and every Saturday on a rebroadcast right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Um, my producer is a laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman. Our phone greeter is um, Rosemary. I gave her some rosemary last week. I hope she rooted it. And we're going to be talking about gardening every week right here. If you get a chance, it might rain this weekend, but if you get a chance to take a kid to a garden center, maybe walk around the neighborhood and make a little bouquet of the little wildflowers starting to bloom in the lawn. But the main thing is, if you see every new day as a chance to give it a go, go to a garden center, take a kid or two on a field trip, and see if you can find an opportunity to show others what we do best. And that's Get Dirty. See y'all next week.